God of grace, God of mercy, oh, how we love the Lord in this place. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Yes, Lord, we serve a mighty good God. We have truly been overwhelmed by his presence. Amen. Amen. What a feeling to be overwhelmed by God's presence. Look, we got visitors in the house this morning. Let's let them know how much we love and appreciate they're here this morning. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of our worship this morning. We are so glad to have you in the house this morning. We pray that you will feel the spirit of the Lord and love in this place among these brothers and sisters in the family of God. Amen. Amen. What a glorious time we had on last week um, in family worship and in our services. Anybody been having a good time? I know I have if I'm by myself. <laughs> I have had a good time. Let us be mindful of our pastor as he ends his respite and travels back home that we pray for him and his wife's safe return uh, back to our midst. Amen. Amen. Let us remember all of those who are on our sick and shut-in list. Let us continue to pray and to lift those individuals up. Uh, look at the names, put them before your eyes, and then take them to the throne of God where we know uh, God answers and hears prayers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a word from the Lord this morning. We are so excited and glad to be here. We are finishing up. This is my last week. We have uh, been talking about uh, brokenness and coming before the Lord and being real. You know, one of the challenges that we talked about an issue to you uh, at the beginning of the year is we wanted to grow uh, spiritually. Uh, and I'm getting a sense in my spirit that there are some folk in the sanctuary this morning that are starting to grow and to become more spiritual. You are not afraid to get before the Lord and, and to, to worship him and to share with him what you are feeling on the inside. And that's what God wants us to do is to be real. Amen. Amen. This is the place where to take off our mask and drop the charade and get real before God and lift our hands and our voices to him for all of the good things that he's done for us. You know he kept you all week long, amen? You know that food that was on your table? You know he put it there. And then when you went to your closet this morning and opened the door, you had a choice. You could pick something out the closet to put on. That is because of the goodness of our Lord and Savior, and we need to let him know how much we love him and appreciate him. Amen. Man, we serve a good God. Let us go to the throne in prayer. Father God, we certainly thank you that this preaching moment has arrived and uh, we have an opportunity to share a word with your people. Father, I pray that you teal up the ground this morning, that when we throw out the seeds, that they will uh, take root and they will begin to grow and that we will see the fruit in its season uh, when you continue to do work on these individuals' lives this morning. And Father, if there's somebody in the house who don't know you in the pardons of their sin, I pray specifically for them this morning that you would move on the main altars of their heart this morning, that you would uh, somehow nudge them and let them know that uh, they can be changed today, their life can be different if they just accept you. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you because you are an awesome God. Besides thee, there is none other. You are all powerful. You are all wise. You are all knowing. You are everywhere at the same time. Father, you look after us. You care for us. You provide for us. And, Father, we say thank Thank you. And you loved us so much that you sent the greatest gift to the world, which was your son. Father, we thank you uh, for your son. We thank you for the dwelling of your spirit. We thank you for the word that we have an opportunity
opportunity to hide in our hearts now. This your servant comes this morning. Father, just allow me to decrease. You increase. Hide me behind the cross. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O my Lord, my strength and redeemer. And let all of God's children say, Amen. Amen. There's a word that's found in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 30. And it reads in the New, uh, the New Living Translation, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives, his 11 sons, and crossed the river Jabbok with them, or crossed the river with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent all of his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp. A man came, rest, and, came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Excuse me. Um, when the man saw that he was not to win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have, you have fought with God and with man and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means God's face. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his injured hip. Um, you've, I don't know if you've ever had the occasion to observe a person with a severe limp. Um, and we don't know where that limp or how they achieve that limp. We don't know if it's uh, from injury or birth defect or uh, deteriorating uh, hips or knee joints. Um, and now they have ways to fix those situations. But when somebody is walking with a severe limp, and if you've ever had the occasion to observe anybody who walks with a severe limp, an unnatural gait, if you will, uh, they seem to sometimes struggle. I, I, I've seen them uh, with a severe limp walk great distances, and I have always been impressed that even with the limp, they don't stop. Uh, and and when, when I see somebody with a severe limp, uh, a deformity, and they try to negotiate uh, some steps, and yet they don't look at the steps and turn around, but they find a way to negotiate the steps until they get to the top, even if they have the aid of a cane or a walker or, or some other de device that helps them in their journey with this severe limp. I've even seen it now that if they have these walkers that have seats on them, so if somebody has a limp and they're struggling and they get tired in their journey, they can sit down for a few minutes and take a respite. And then when they get their respite, they get up and they continue their journey even despite their limp. Are you with me? See, we ourselves and our human nature is always looking for the easy way through life. 
Uh, we're looking to sidestep anything to do with suffering. Uh, we don't think that God could often use our pain and our suffering to bring us to the place where we can live in spiritual authority. Jacob had an experience with an angel of God, and it changed his life from that moment on. He wrestled with an angel, we're told. When Jacob was alone, he was by himself. That God touched his thigh and the sinews shrank. And as a result of it, Jacob walked with a limp. Think about this. God met with a man and the outcome was a permanent physical limp for the rest of his life. See, Jacob's physical strength, and he was a big, strong man, uh, uh, and he was a physical man, and he could handle himself very well, but Jacob's strength was reduced to weakness. Just imagine if we took this Bible passage and we set it in today's church, and you had an experience like Jacob had, and can you imagine what the reaction would be from your fellow believers if they saw you coming into the church and you were now walking with a limp? And your brothers and your sisters would ask you, um, what happened to you? And you would reply that, <clears throat> that you had had a meeting with God and that God touched your life in such a way that now you walk with a limp. Who would believe you? Who would believe that it was God that caused you to have this limp? Who would believe and say, we don't serve a God like that? God wouldn't do such a thing. They would, they would ridicule you and accuse you that you were out of your mind. The Bible shows us that there were many key people who accomplished great things for the kingdom of God, uh, and they point to that experience in their life as having been marked. And so here it is, Job uh, said in the Bible, I was at ease, but he shattered me. He also has taken me by the back of my neck and he has shaken me into pieces and he has set, his, he has set me up for a mark or a target. The King James says mark. Job knew that ultimately God was allowing Satan to test him and he attributes it to being marked, being marked, being tested, being tried by the work of God. The Apostle Paul experienced a suffering for the cause of Christ. You remember uh, 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 Paul, he had a thorn in his side and he asked God to remove it. But, but Paul said this, let no one trouble me for I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said nothing about bearing the mark of persecution from evil men. But he said it was from the Lord Jesus. He knew that he was walking in the will of God and God stirred up all, allowed all opposition to be stirred up against him for the cause of Christ. God wants to use our emotional suffering and our emotional pain, our emotional wounds to help us grow closer to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, Christ says this, my grace is sufficient 
For my power is made perfect in, your, in, in weakness. Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, this is a paradox for many of us because all we want to do is be strong. And we can be in Christ, in God. We can be stronger than we could ever be alone. If our emotional suffering brings us closer to God, as a result, it makes us stronger. Maybe our wounds are really blessings. Christ gives this sermon on the mount. It was such an important sermon. It's described in Matthew and Luke. And in this sermon, he literally stands tradition on its head. He said this. He said, I want to bless folk, but I want to bless the folk who were probably, you would consider, the most unlikely recipient. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed is the poor in heart, for they will see God. Are you poor in spirit? Are you mourning? Have you suffered for your meekness? The good news is, God is seeking you this morning, and he will bless you. In this famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes, is describing God's children. God wants us to be his child. He wants us to need him. And when we allow ourselves to need him is when the healing begins. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by his spirit in whom he has given us. There's a song that I had um, recently discovered. And it's, it's really but inspired this message in me. The writer, and this is one of the most powerful lyrical uh, gospel songs I have ever heard. It's written by Jonathan McReynolds. And the song is entitled Limp. And in this song, a Jonathan describes and defines for the listener what our limps are. He says, limps are every weakness. Limps are every flaws that keep us from having an otherwise perfect walk. He said, uh, and we were born handicapped. See, life and, 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 and bring sometime a, a, a life full of heartache and, and heartbreak and heart pain. And, and sometimes we struggle uh, with those issues that come up in our life like losing a child, suffering from mental illness, living in poverty, damages that are caused by broken families. But here's what Jonathan says in the song. But God gives us strength back. He says, all that you lack, if you just keep on walking and serving God with your limp. He says, I'm tired, broken, innocent, stolen, and I know I'm a different man. See, life hits and life hurts. I think I've seen life's worse. But watch what he says. But you've been here. 
You've been here so you understand. See, I failed. I broke something. But I could not tell because I kept running away from your love and your grace. So my trips and my pains and my failures only make me desperate to seek your face. See, the devil hopes this injury would stop me and take defeat. But I know Jesus walks with me. So I'll keep on walking with my limp. I'm imperfect, yes, so I slip up. And, I, and, and my heart is ripped up, but you're a lifter of heads. So please come, please heal how I think and how I feel. I live by what you say, and you said, heavy laden come unto me, sick, flawed, lame, the weak, and I'll be everything you need. Surrendering to God allows us to, to allow us to allow him to make us whole. He gives our life purpose, joy, and meaning if we trust him. We say, and all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How is it with us? How is it with you and me? Do we carry in our lives and demonstrate to others that we have been marked by God? Do we walk with a limp because God has so impacted us that we no longer are the same and, and we are to be used by him? Until God has, in, has impacted us enough to leave his mark on our life, then we will never be able to demonstrate spiritual authority. Keep up with me. Does every limp in your life remind you of your weakness? Does it make you conscious of the evil that relies within you? Do you bear, does it bear up on your conscience and impact the way you walk in Christ? Does it, does, do you allow it to beat you up and blister your personal life because you can't get over your pain? See, like Jacob, we are prone to think that if we want to win in life, we got to toughen up. We got to learn to play through pain, hurt, insecurities that our wounds have created. Maybe this is why God dislocates Jacob's hip. God knew, God knew that Jacob couldn't receive a blessing that he craved until he was free to admit his brokenness. Maybe you're not familiar with the backstory of Jacob. This passage, his story is both riveting and perplexing once you read it in the scriptures. See, if you're not familiar with the story, Jacob spent a great deal of his life trying to gain approval of his father. And he, he wanted his father to accept him and uh, to approve of him. And, and then he had to fight for his eventual wife. Uh, he, he wanted the benefits of material success. And so in order to do so, he started his life by conning his twin brother out of his inheritance, the blessing from his father. And with the help of his scheming mother, he was able to steal his brother's birthright. When his brother Esau had learned of this deception, he threatened to kill Jacob. And so Jacob runs. And he stays on the run for the, for the next 12 years of his life. 
And so he gets to this place uh, where he runs into Laban and he tries to reboot and restart his life there. And he wants to marry one of his daughters. And then his father had him uh, deceived and married the other daughter. So he worked for the father until he was able to win the eventual hand of Rachel. And so he's married now. He has 11 sons. He's accumulated a significant amount of wealth and livestock. See, but God wanted to do something in Jacob's life. So Jacob said, the Lord was impressing him to go back home. So Jacob said, well, let me go see if my brother Esau is still wants to take my life. And so even though over the last decade he spends his life on the run, Jacob sends a messenger and a scout to go tell his brother that he's coming. And they come back with an ominous report. They said, your brother Esau is on his way to see you. And he's got 400 men with him and they look like they're armed. See, that wasn't exactly the welcome home party that Jacob was hoping for. And so here it is. He takes a calculated gamble. He, he, he sends uh, something that would represent his wealth. He sends over 500 rams and camels and goats and donkeys that would represent the, the net of his wealth. And he would separate them in groups. And so when, each, when his brother Esau would encounter each group, they would tell him a specific story that Jacob had armed them with. He said, this is for you and your servant Jacob sends it to you and we want you to know he's right behind us. And then the second group was told the same thing and then the third group was told the same thing. Jacob was still scheming. And so here it is. He's afraid that his brother is coming to kill him. And so we find him alone in the camp. And see... The Lord, we need to understand something. The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he first conquers him. And so God conquered Jacob by weakening him. So God meets us, y'all, watch this, at whatever level he finds us to lift us to where he wants us to be. See, Jacob spent so much of his life wrestling against Esau, Isaac, Laban, and even uh, uh, God's spirit. But God wanted him to know that his grace was sufficient because it is made perfect in our weakness. These weaknesses afford God an opportunity to prove his power that rests on our life. So here it is, we're in the text now, in verse 22. Jacob has been thinking and pondering his brother coming to meet him, and he believed that his brother was going to kill him. And so he devises one more scheme. He takes his family across the Jabbok River, where they might be safe, that even if Jacob would kill him, maybe he wouldn't kill the children and the women. And so watch this. He hazard a nighttime crossing across the river, which was dangerous. But he took a calculated risk. And so we find out that now he sent all of his possessions away. His wife and his children are away. And he's sitting in the camp. Now he is left by himself. There are no distractions of life. 
And it is there when he is by himself and he is praying and he is weeping and he wants to be blessed and he's concerned about what's coming tomorrow with his brother. And so he gets before the Lord and he doesn't understand it. He thinks he's alone, but he's really in God's auditorium and has an audience of God. And so God is hearing his servant weeping and crying and calling out to his name. And so God sends an angel in the form of a wrestler. Have you ever been alone with God? Have you been ever at the end of your resources and you got alone with God and had a conversation with him and you began to weep and to pray and to seek his face? Don't you know it's in the moments of those weaknesses that God will come to you at that dark night of your soul and heal you from whatever you were dealing with? But sometime, like Jacob, you might have to fight through something. You might have to be persistent and consistent in your prayer because watch this, victory is found through surrender. See, God had promised to bless Jacob And from the material point of view, it seemed like that had been accomplished. But promises fulfilled. Jacob was was now a wealthy man, but guess what? There was so much more to the blessings of God than wealth. There's the matter of godly character and spiritual influence. And so we find out, we know that Jacob is crying and weeping before God in Hosea chapter, I mean, chapter 12, verse 4. It says, yes, he wrestled with an angel and prevailed. Here it is. He wept and sought his favor. Jacob was alone. He was in the camp. And he craved a blessing from God, no matter what it would cost him. And anytime God blesses us, there is a cost. And this time, Jacob who had been struggling against God, Jacob becomes conquered in the most profound sense. He finds victory in spiritual surrender. Such surrender always involves struggle. In in this case, it lasted all night. In your case, it might last years. It might last months. But you will not see resolution until you put yourself in surrender. So here it is. That Jacob engages this angel. And how does he engage him? In hand-to-hand combat. Neither of them had a moment to breathe. Jacob was now full of concern and fear because of what he expected his brother to show up the next day. And so God seems to literally come against Jacob as an enemy. He opposes him, not only allowing him not to run, which is what he was accustomed to, to follow his children and his wife on the other side of the river and hide. He kept Jacob right there. See, strong belief must expect diverse temptations and strong ones. Jacob wrestled and he wept and he made supplications through tears. Just watch this. Watch this, y'all. Listen. Tears was his weapon. It was in weeping, not his strength. It was through tears. 
It was through heartache. It was through pain. And so while Jacob was still wrestling and he was still praying uh, with a vigorous act of faith, his, whole, his desire was to have a holy blessing. And so Jacob keeps his ground through struggle and, and it continued all night long and eventually he gains the upper hand on the angel. I'm in verse 25. And it was at that moment when Jacob had the, the angel uh, and he was winning the match and, and then the angel did something. He touched his hip and dislocated it. See, it was not by Jacob's own strength that he wrestled, but it was by the strength that God had provided him in the midst of the struggle. See, God will deliver you and give you the strength when you don't have the ability to carry yourself. And so here it is. Jacob is wrestling with all of his power. And we have a wonderful example that, that Jacob doesn't overcome of the angel because Job chapter 23 uh, Job, as you know what Job was struggling with, what Job was going through. In chapter 23, Job says this, my complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud about it. If only I knew where I could find God, I would go to his court and I would lay out my case before him. I would present my argument. And then he says, Watch this. This is so important. This is, what, this is how we miss it. Here's what Job said. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he said to me. Watch this in verse 6. <laughs> Hear the blessing. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No. Watch this. He said he would give me a fair hearing. That's the kind of God we serve. See, if the angel had come against Jacob in all of his power, he would have crushed Jacob. We cannot prevail with God in our own strength. It is only when the Spirit intercedes for us to help us in our infirmities. God puts strength in Jacob. And it was by that strength that Jacob had the power to overcome the angel. So here it is. The day is about to break. And the angel says, I got to go. The battle's got to soon end because you have a very important date to keep on tomorrow. And so the angel reaches down and touches Jacob's hips with a finger. But here's how you know it was God. Jacob felt little or no pain from his touch. It was probably why he, I mean, he never loosened his grip. See, that is the evidence of a divine touch. Watch this. It can wound and heal at the same time. Jacob prevailed even though his socket was put out of joint. He felt little or no pain. A wrestling believer may obtain glorious victory and come off with broken bones or limp. From when we are weak, then we are strong. We are weak in ourselves, but we are strong in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and 10. Our honor and our comfort in this world is, is if we know that we have God as an ally. Would you rather have anybody else than God as an ally? 
I got, I got to hasten on and close. And so here it is that Jacob is, is, is fighting against God. And he is left with a permanent mark. Here it is. Everything in a season is beautiful. Even when there is religion, religious comfort and communion with God. See, God must sometimes give way to the necessary affairs of life. God will have mercy and not sacrifice. And so Jacob persists in this opportunity. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel knew that the, the daybreak was coming and Jake, Jacob was going to have a real opportunity with his brother. And he said, I got to go. So he touched his hip and dislocated him. His, his opportunity now was to go and to meet his brother, but his struggle lasted all night. And his bones were put out of joint, but he wasn't going to let go until he received a blessing. And so here it is. The, the battle, the struggle is about to end. And Jacob has been weakened and his hip and now has a limp. But Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me because that's why I'm wrestling you. And I'm not going to quit until I receive my blessing. And so the angel asked Jacob, and I believe y'all, I believe this is the crux of the text. If you don't hear anything else, if you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, watch this. The angel asked him in verse 27, what is your name? And Jacob, and he replied, Jacob. Jacob was finally forced to meet who he was. He wanted a blessing in his life and he wasn't going to get that blessing until he admitted who he was. See, we have to face ourselves. We have to face who and what we are. And so he said, what is your name? The Lord didn't ask the question because he needed the information. He certainly knew Jacob's name. He knew Jacob's reputation as being a schemer and a deceiver. He said, what's your name? It meant, are you going to continue living up to your name and deceiving others? Or will you admit who you are and let me change you? I'm almost done. I know we're running out of time. Listen, the angel said to him, you will no longer be called Jacob. You will no longer be celebrated for the crafty, awful management of deception. But you will be, your name will be changed to true valor because Israel means a prince with God. The name will be greater than all of the men on the earth. See, in the Bible, when a name was changed, it meant a new beginning, a fresh opportunity to make a fresh start in life. And so the angel put his perpetual mark upon Jacob by allowing him to have the blessing, and he also gave him a limp. And he was to carry that limp with him the rest of his life. I'm going to go on and close as, as uh, Carson comes. Jacob carried a permanent limp through the rest of his life. He went to his grave with a limp. He had no reason to look at it as a reproach 
on his body, but rather that he had been marked by God. When God marks us, he leaves us with a limp. We discover that we have more spiritual authority than we ever knew we had before. Watch this though, the enemy is not afraid of your limp. He's afraid of what your limp represents in your life. And that's the power of God in your life. There is no more way that we can become more fruitful or enjoy a lasting and consistent impact in life and ministry if we do not allow God to mark us. What mark do you carry in your mortal bodies for Jesus? Are you carrying your cross for the glory of God? What price are you willing to pay for him who gave us everything, even his own life? Are you afraid of being left alone with him because what you, might, you know might happen to you? The wrestling angel gifted Jacob with a limp as a permanent reminder of his encounter with God. Jacob's lifelong policy was to run. It was to quit. It was to give up. And God touched him and gave him a limp. See, wounds are good things if we accept them as stewardship from God. I want to finish with the song, Limp. He says, I pursue my victory because when you when they beat you, Jesus, you looked like me. You were struggling with your passion and your love, and it kept you walking with your limp and carrying your cross. To Calvary, walking with your limp, no matter what they said, you kept walking with your limp. Yes, that's my Savior with his limp. Just so one day I could walk with a limp. Watch what he says in the verse. He says, I can still be loved even with my limp. I can still be used even with my limp. I can still be saved even with my limp. He says, I'll just keep walking even with my limp. Are you ready? This morning to give your life to Christ even with your limp your weaknesses your flaws your pain will you surrender with him and allow that limp in your life to stand as a reminder to you about the mercy and the grace of God even though you still struggle will you walk with your limp will you get before the Lord will you wrestle with him and say Lord I, I've been trying and I'm tired of struggling the pain in my life is more than I can bear but I'm going to be like you I'm not going to stop coming I'm not going to stop walking even with my limp I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you to heal me and change me. The doors of the church are open.
Is there anybody here? You've been walking through life carrying wounds and pains and scars. You have been struggling. And God said, I'll change you. <laughs> but guess what? You'll still have the limp. But the limp will have a different perspective. It will be a reminder <laughs> of the mercy and the grace and the love of God. <laughs> Is there one? that will come and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you just need to have a talk with him and come down the aisle with your limp and fall before him. He said, I'm done wrestling. I got an appointment to keep. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd help somebody in here this morning. As the band sings, think about it.